for the most part, I mean, the industry knew there was a Larry David behind Seinfeld. But the average guy on the street didn't know that the funny stuff coming out of our mouths were coming out of a guy named Larry David. Well, he is a comedian. He's taken that talent and turned it into writing, but I mean, he did start his career as a stand-up comedian. His standard opening was always, I'll tell you something about good-looking people, we're not well-liked. And then he would always call the audience, you people. And I, I used to say to him, you know, calling them you people, it's a bit distancing, you know? It's kind of like you, you're already putting them in an adversarial position. Not often, but from time to time, Larry would actually get up on stage, grab the microphone, do a very slow 180, looking at the audience from left to right, surveying them, take the microphone, put it back in the stand and go, never mind, and would walk off stage. And the audience never knew what hit them. He was a phenomenon. He just, he just couldn't get over the hump that comedians have to perform in front of other people. Larry's take was always so different and definitely not mainstream. And he kind of took that attitude and put it into a sitcom. And I think it made the show revolutionary. There was an episode pretty early on. George was doing something and I said, guys, you got to help me. This is a rewrite situation because this would never happen in real life. But certainly if it did happen in real life, no one would react like this. And uh, Larry came up and he said, this happened to me and this is exactly what I did. And I, oh, okay. <laughs> and, it was, and actually that was the turning point for me. And from that point on, I, I geared myself up for doing as shameless a Larry David imitation as I could muster. He, he was stuck with success for the first time in his life. He was stuck. It was a hit, and it was like he always acted like it was like a major imposition on him when the show got picked up for a second season. I think once he saw that Seinfeld especially would be successful, I think he felt like the most fulfilling thing he could do next would be to return to stand-up and, and complete that unfinished business. When he started talking to me about setting up gigs for him around town, I said, uh, are you think maybe you want to do an HBO special? He goes, I think it's a little too soon. And I said, well, maybe it's not a little too soon because I've got this great idea. Hello everyone and welcome to How Is This Movie? My name is Dana Buckler and thank you for taking just a little time out of your day to listen. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at How Is This Movie. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash howisthismovie. You can always email me with questions or comments at hitmpodcast at gmail.com. And finally, if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and leave a review on whatever platform you use to listen. Larry David left the Seinfeld show after season seven. Now, he didn't walk away from this empty-handed. To the contrary. Thanks to some extremely lucrative syndication deals, Larry alone walked away with more than $200 million. Years later, when Seinfeld would come out on DVD, and then eventually on the Hulu streaming service, his net worth grew to more than half a billion. Now, even though Larry got his start in stand-up comedy and was a cast member on not one but two late-night sketch comedy shows, he was a writer first and foremost. Even back in the 1980s, Larry was working on a number of different screenplays. 
None of which that actually amounted to anything. Because let's face it, Larry just wasn't a household name. Hell, he wasn't a household name when he left Seinfeld after season 7. But he was a name to the right people. Specifically the executives at Castle Rock Entertainment, the production company responsible for Seinfeld. Larry had helped make them hundreds of millions of dollars. So when he walked into the offices of Castle Rock and approached the executives about funding a screenplay that he had written, he was sure that he'd be met with open arms. His screenplay was called Sour Grapes. It told the story of a couple of friends in a casino in Atlantic City. When one of the friends runs out of quarters, the other one loans him a quarter, and he ends up winning $400,000. Hilarity ensues as the two friends bicker over who rightfully deserves the money. But you see, Larry didn't just write the screenplay for Sour Grapes, it was also his intention to also direct the film. And much to his shock, the executives at Castle Rock were somewhat nervous about giving him a big budget for the film. Again, I stress, not a household name, not a name that would sell. This was confirmed when they gave him less than $3 million to make Sour Grapes. With such a small budget... Hiring big-name actors was going to be completely out of the question. The only recognizable face they were able to sign to the production was that of Steven Weber, who was just coming off a successful television sitcom called Wings. Larry's directorial debut, Sour Grapes, was released April 17, 1998, to some of the worst critical reviews of any film ever made. Hey, listen, we on for this weekend? Atlantic City? I don't know. It's going to be great. We drive down, we gamble, and you get the whole night for your hotel sex. Yeah. How are you going to pass up a chance for hotel sex? Yeah. Boy, am I tapped out. You got two quarters, I'm out. Here, go crazy. Quarters. You think he should give you money? He should give me half the money. I was the one playing the machine. Don't you give him a penny. You'd be crazy if you do. Why should I give him money from my machine? It's his money that you're playing with. He gets nothing! Nothing! It was my quarter. I'm playing the machine, Dumbo. <laughs> Just because I won some money, that means I have to buy lunch for the rest of my life. I don't think so. All right, get out. Get fired. You take care of yourself. I intend to. I'm sure you do. Why wouldn't I? No reason. So, why bring it up? Just trying to be nice. My mistake. I'd say so. I love this. Really? What is that, burlap? We heard a scream. And saw a man run down the block. Can you describe it? Well, he was, uh... Yeah? He was, uh... Black? He happened to be black. I'm sorry. Next time we'll be white. Maybe Chinese. I ain't Selma. It's me, Evan. You know it was his machine. He owes you 50 cents. That's it. Okay, let's get started. Film critic Roger Ebert called the film, quote, a tone-deaf comedy. Also saying, quote, I can't easily remember a film that I've enjoyed less, end quote. He punctuated those statements by giving Sour Grapes zero out of four stars. Now, Columbia Pictures, who picked up the domestic distribution rights to Sour Grapes, opted not to put $1 into marketing. So just to quickly recap, Larry David, one half of the duo responsible for Seinfeld, a man who had won an Emmy for his writing on Seinfeld. Well, his feature film, Sour Grapes, took in only $104,000 during its theatrical run. 
This, of course, crushed Larry's already fragile psyche. And this added fuel to the fire that there was in fact something known as the Seinfeld curse. Now for Larry, he could have easily retired from show business. Money was never going to be an issue for him for the rest of his life. But he couldn't let sour grapes be his swan song. He couldn't let it be the last thing that people remembered him for. After retreating away from the spotlight for a little over a year, Larry made the decision that he wanted to get back into the one thing that he had yet to fully conquer, stand-up comedy. Now this is where the genesis of Curb Your Enthusiasm begins. According to the story, in early 1999... Larry David had asked his friend Jeff Garland to lunch to discuss the possibility of Larry getting back into stand-up comedy. Now, the reason that he asked Jeff to lunch was that Jeff had worked as a director on two HBO stand-up specials, one for Dennis Leary and one for Jon Stewart. It was Jeff that told him, look, you're the guy who created Seinfeld. I can get you a stand-up special on HBO, no problem. Think about it. After the lunch meeting, Larry told Jeff that he would strongly consider the offer. Now, here's the thing. Larry didn't think his stand-up comedy was going to be strong enough to warrant a one-hour stand-up special on HBO. What he thought would be more interesting would be to show the audience what it's like to prepare for one of these stand-up specials. Sort of a behind-the-scenes look at how these things get made. He decided to take it one step further by making this behind-the-scenes documentary fictional. Not fictional in the sense that he'd be playing a different character, but fictional in the sense that he's never actually going to do the stand-up special. Just show the audience what it's like to prepare for one of these. He brought the idea back to Jeff, who immediately got the concept. The two took the idea to HBO, who greenlit it. Larry enlisted the help of acclaimed documentary filmmaker Robert B. Weed, who was at first very hesitant to take this project because he was, well, an accomplished documentary filmmaker, and this was something that was going to be a little out of his typical wheelhouse. Larry was able to ease his mind by explaining to him that this was going to be a mockumentary without a full shooting script, and that most scenes would be improvised, requiring Weed to just do what he does best, document what's happening. Now, Weed was the one who suggested to Larry that he should assemble a group of individuals that could do talking head interviews that could be spliced throughout the mockumentary. It was Larry that came up with the title for this special, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Because as Larry put it, who likes enthusiasm? Also, with the special airing on HBO, Larry and crew were free to experiment with plot ideas and details that would have never made it past the censors at NBC, the network that aired Seinfeld. Larry was, of course, going to play himself. He asked Jeff to play his manager, Jeff Green. Now, Jeff grew up in Chicago, and after high school, he attended the University of Miami, where he studied filmmaking. Now, he's always been a fan of the classic Saturday Night Live alumni, so he was also extremely interested in stand-up comedy, and he would spend five years with Second City in Chicago. Now, interestingly enough, Jeff was also roommates for a brief period of time with Conan O'Brien. Second City helped Jeff develop fantastic improvisational skills, something that, of course, was going to come in very handy with the upcoming special he was filming with Larry. Throughout his time at Second City, while also working the local stand-up comedy clubs, Jeff met and became friends with a number of comedians, a lot of whom would go on to become household names. So when the likes of Jon Stewart and Dennis Leary were preparing to do stand-up specials for HBO, they had asked their friend Jeff if he would be their director. When it came time to find an actress to play Larry's wife, the casting director brought in a number of women close to Larry's age. None of them seemed to pan out. Now, the director of the special, Robert B. Weed, was at a local performance of the improv group known as the Groundlings when he began to take a keen interest in one particular member of the improv troupe. Her name was Cheryl Hines. Now, although Hines was almost 20 years younger than Larry, 
Weed convinced her to come in for an audition. Cheryl Hines was born in Tallahassee, Florida. After high school, she attended the University of West Virginia, then Florida State, before finally graduating from the University of Central Florida with a major in TV and a minor in theater. After graduating from college, she made a move to Los Angeles. Now, it was her dream to be on Saturday Night Live, and she realized quickly that several members of the improv group, The Groundlings, had gone on to Saturday Night Live. This is why she decided to join that group. The day of her audition was the first time she met Larry David. The audition consisted of two improvised scenes in which Larry was supposed to get Cheryl upset over mundane issues. During these improvised scenes, Cheryl never raised her voice and always remained calm while having arguments with Larry. It was that demeanor that sealed the deal right then and there. Did you hang up on him? Well, we sort of hung up on each other. And so what happened with the kid? I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. I tried to call back, but they wouldn't take the call. But how did you ask for him? Were you, <laughs> did you, had you changed said, your attitude by then when you called back? Or were you I like, ah, it's I don't know <laughs> this on me. I'm just God curious. insulted me. You should be defending me. Well, it, you know what? It was, that wasn't nice of him to say that, but. Yes, I know. But here's this guy's trying to get a job. And what have you done? What have I done? I haven't done anything. I was insulted. Don't you see that? But, I mean, are you going to write him a letter now or something? <sighs> write him a letter. Dear prick. Okay. That's I'm sorry. not going to help. I'm sorry you're a prick. You know what? I didn't know that you were such a prick when okay. I called, but it really turned out that you were. In you any know, event, I think this guy <laughs> could you please give this young man a job? But he asked the wrong person. I don't know. I people used to like me, and all of a sudden, <laughs> I don't know how it's evolved like this. But I used to have friends who really liked me. Not women, but but friends. Guys liked you. Yeah, guys liked me. And now they don't. I don't know. I'm beginning to sense a whole wave of of antipathy. A big wave of antipathy. Uh, and now there'll be millions of other people joining in on that wave. Well, you invited this whole thing in. Was, this was your whole idea. It wasn't my idea. It was Jeff's idea. Well, hello. So with the essential cast and crew in place, Robert B. Weed set out to do real interviews with some of Larry's closest friends and collaborators, including Jason Alexander, Rick Newman, Jerry Seinfeld, Richard Lewis, and Larry Charles. So the basic story of the Curb Your Enthusiasm special is that Larry is approached by his manager, Jeff Green, who has the idea that Larry should return to the world of stand-up comedy. They would have a documentary film crew follow Larry as he performs at local stand-up comedy clubs in Los Angeles and in New York in preparation for a one-hour HBO stand-up special. Now, I've said this is a mockumentary. However, the scenes in which Larry is performing in the stand-up comedy clubs were authentic. That was really Larry doing stand-up, and those were real audience reactions. Honey! Hey. That was great! Really? You think yes. so? Yeah. Yes! Did you like it? Yeah! How do you feel? Uh, so, you know, I feel okay. There are a few things that didn't didn't work. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I know. I mean... No, I know what didn't work. You don't have, you know, I know but what I didn't just, work. But I just, I wrote some stuff down in case, you know, in case we want to go back through it, and you said pussy a lot. 
I didn't but, say a lot. But, I said it when did, it was no, appropriate but, but it was a, for, for the for the material. Yeah, but it was still a lot. Didn't add to. It didn't make it funnier. Hey, I just felt hey, like hey, hey. that it was great. Oh, that was thank unbelievable. You. Thank I mean, you. Man, ten. Wasn't he great? Yeah. Because I said pussy too much. A little. Too oh no! You said you, know, you, you can say it more. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> pussy's great. You can't, you can't say pussy enough. You can't yeah. say pussy. Pussy's yeah. a good comedy word. Okay, great. Um, I'm gonna wait inside. It's good to see okay. you again. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. So and, uh, I'll see you soon. Okay. Yeah, well, um, absolutely. just give me five minutes and then we'll go. Okay. All right. Well, I'll talk about your act in a second. But she doesn't like me. What? No. No, 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 no. She doesn't like me. No. Don't say that. No, you know, I, mean, no. I, was, I was stupid to even to agree on the pussy Great thing. Set, Larry. And think, oh, thank you. She know, likes uh, you. But uh, um, talk about you. Great set. Great set. And it I'm was sorry. a great set. Hey! Oh, hey! Hey! Larry, I'm Caroline. Right? Yeah, Have we met? Caroline, yeah. Why, why do you make such a big deal about your name? What's the, what's the difference? Uh, because well, people it's like my name. name. It's how I huh? respond. People say it, and then well, I turn the around. Lynn, Lyne, I mean... Hi. I never, I never Larry, mispronounced your name. Dave, uh, whatever. You, you can call me any, any... I don't care if you call me Larry or Larry. It doesn't matter. All right, it's no big deal. Yeah, it's no it's big fine. deal. I do apologize for not coming over to say goodbye. That I should have done. Even though the hello was, was really good. <laughs> you know, it wasn't it was that a good. Hello. It wasn't such a good hello that I it gave you a goodbye. nice, a nice right. hello that I just forgot. I forgot to say you forgot. goodbye. You know I'm what? sorry. But you, you know were what? really great tonight, but I would I would try and use the word pussy more. I think the kids really liked it. Wait a second. Don't 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 go. Don't go. Don't be mad. Oh, don't leave no. and not say goodbye? Yeah. I would never do no, something don't. like that. Goodbye, Lori. Carolyn. Carolyn. Caroline. That of course was the only real aspect of the mockumentary. Now, the special opens with Larry meeting the executives at HBO, and as we all know, the special ends with Larry also meeting with the executives at HBO. Hey. How you doing? Where's the big guy? Oh, he's uh, he's not here today. He's not coming? No. Oh. No. I see. Have a seat. Okay. Oh. Judy's going to be joining us. Oh. There she All is. Right. Larry, how, how Hi. you doing? What's Good. going on? Well, um, I'm sorry, but uh, it looks like I'm not going to be able to do the special, the show. What happened? It's my stepfather. He um, he got in a car accident and uh, he's in a he's in a coma and uh, I got to go to Florida to uh, be with my mother. It's, uh, it's all it's all her fault. Yeah, she. Uh, well, she made him put his seatbelt on while he was driving and uh, he couldn't coordinate and, and hit a pole. So, is he is he conscious? No, he's in a coma. He's in a coma, but he's in and out of the coma. So he comes in, he goes out. I, I don't know. At this point, we're 48 hours away. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's, tell me it's, about it. I know. It's a terrible tragedy. I'm so and, and I'm very psyched ups. and ready for it, too. I, I had, think you should really consider trying to go through with it at this point. It, well, cause, cause you know, Alan, frankly, I have to tell you, there's no way that I can do it because, um, you know, I even broached that idea to my mother, and she just completely broke down. Totally broke down. That was today. She she fell on the floor. They had to pick her up to put her back on the phone. Well, she's in shock, of course. Are you close to your father? I mean, stepfather. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Are you close to him? Well, um, not really. We went fishing a couple of times together. Um, but we had a good time out on the boat uh, that afternoon. Uh, 
we had such a good time. Can't, we went back again. The second can't time, somebody right? else go down there and uh, you have you no know, other, nobody down there? No, for, to be with no. Her? She needs me. I mean, I'm, I'm her what son. What if we were to hire a primary caregiver who uh, professional? It's not that the field? same. It's not family. I, I mean, you should have heard her on the phone last night. Larry, Larry, please, I need you. Don't, Larry, you have to come, Larry. Okay. Terrible timing. I mean, this is not just like a gig at the improv. I know, Larry, I understand. I, I totally. Mean, I, I hate to I, I, you know, give you a break. My, my stepfather is, is in a coma in the hospital. I, you I know, um, that's the most important thing right now. So I, let's, I let's just, you know, this is show business, okay? I mean. It's, it's a very difficult situation. There's no bad people. Right. It's a bad no, situation. True, true. Um, I need right. some sort of idea when we can uh, resume uh, the schedule here. You know what? We're just going to have to wait and we see need, what we happens. We need to have some kind of a schedule. I here. can't give you a schedule because I don't. I'm not in charge I, of comas. I, I've never dealt with a coma before. I have no coma experience, so okay. I don't know. Well, does she understand that th what what is at stake? She here? totally understands. She doesn't right. care. It's you have to cancel it, and uh, you know we'll reassess once once I get down there and see what the situation would, is. Would we be able to contact you there? I'll call you. Yeah, I'll call you. I'll let you know what's going on. The show's over for right now. I gotta fly to Florida now. Oh God, what a nightmare! Guess I gotta get on the phone. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, you gotta do that. I got a lot of work to do. Okay. Well, you know, death—it's a part of life. But lucky to be alive. All right. Okay. Okay. Take care. All right. All right, bye. bye. Larry, if anything else is going on, now is the time to tell me. I don't know what you're implying. I bet. But I swear on my children's lives. Say no more. The one-hour Curb Your Enthusiasm special aired on October 17, 1999. It was critically acclaimed and gave audiences their first glimpse of the comic genius that is Larry David. What's truly special about Curb Your Enthusiasm is that even in the special, and of course later on in the series, Larry does what we all wish we could do, speak his mind in uncomfortable and awkward situations. However, most episodes of Curb serve as cautionary tales as to why we should always think carefully when making decisions whether or not to speak our mind. Most of the situations that Larry finds himself are often inspired by real-life scenarios that have happened to him. Now, the main difference being that in real life, Larry David is by all accounts a very nice guy who often holds his tongue when he finds himself in these unique and often unsettling situations. But you see, Larry carries a notebook with him everywhere he goes, and any time he finds himself in a situation that's a little odd, a little awkward, he writes it down. And then he'll go home, review the notes, and envision a world in which he would have acted how he was really feeling. These meticulous notes served him well throughout the years and were promptly on display, even in the one-hour special. Yeah, checking out, David. Larry David. Uh, the room number? Um, 5201. Just a final signature, please, for only okay. for your incidentals. $276. Yes. Like, like five phone calls or something. Well, it's actually phone calls, and it shows a number of movies right here. What did you watch? Oh, okay, fine. What are you doing? Give it to me. Get no, 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 no. HBO pays for the porn. HBO pays for porn. Shut up, shut up. Patrick, come here. What? No. HBO yes. should pay for the porn. The porn? It actually shows that it's only room and tax plus the meals. 
Right, well, all right. Well, we, we, call we handle the room and tax, but I can make a call about the porn. I call about the porn. Don't call anybody. Call I'm porn. paying for it. No, stop it. Stop wasting. What do you waste? I'll pay for it. No, you Larry, need what you need I'm to relax. Up, okay? Okay? Make, no, I, make a call. I don't want you to make a call. I don't care. I'm tax. What's that? Only for room and tax. Losmir. Losmir. Losmir, just charge it for now. Please call someone about the porn. Please. I can make a call right now about the porn. HBO will cover the porn. I don't care. I don't care. Okay. Why do you waste? Crazy. So, Mr. Davey, only your signature, please. If I were Shut up! So, you would like to settle everything? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Okay. I'll give you a phone call. Sorry about this. That's fine. Don't worry about it. There you go. Thanks. Okay, here's your receipt. Okay, that's fine. I, I okay. Want to make a call? I can make a call. Don't make any calls, please. Do, do me a favor. Just don't, don't mention this. I won't say a thing. Speaking of the special, when they were filming it, both Larry and Jeff said to each other, wouldn't this be great if we could turn this into a series? Now, in part two of our look at Curb Your Enthusiasm, that's exactly what we're going to cover, the series. My name is Dana Buckler, and thank you so much for listening.